Hi, this is Elizabeth Wells with a podcast of Unfathomable, where you will hear stories and writings and conversations about love and loss, spirit and sorrow, grief and renewal, mysteries, creativity, and miracles we don't understand, and about the extraordinary peace and beauty we might not see in the everyday, but that is there in the ordinary. The joy not of this world, but a joy of the heart, the inner heart, the unfathomable. So this first piece is the calling out of grief, which is a kind of theme in my life right now as I approach grief from slightly different angles, like a diamond reflected in variant colored light. Some of you know my mom passed a year ago in March of 2018, and that plunged me not only into grief, but as a friend said to me, a friend who lost her husband the same year said, I have pure grief. Your grief is compounded. By horror. It was totally unexpected. Even though I know my mom is fine and has come to tell me so, a subject for another episode of The Unfathomable, I was left holding the bag of human experience, working through symptoms of PTSD and memories that haunted me of things in the hospital and with hospice and so much more. I was left holding a bag full of regrets that While they were unnecessary, they were there nevertheless. And some of this is normal or part of grief, because when a loved one leaves a body in a way that is not on par with your expectations or not meant to be at all, a child, your life partner, your parent, in a way that comes out of the blue, it is horror. And it can bring regret. And when that person is your heart, is your heart, is your core, is your center, your soul, your greatest love, is your anchor. It's like that core is ripped out of your body and your heart is obliterated into a thousand pieces. My nervous system practically crashed at that time and has been in slow repair ever since. So I have a lot to say on the subject and about how this culture treats grief. I'll get into it little by little, but for this first podcast, I want to share a piece called On the Pathless Path on sorrow and safety and doves. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy this series, this particular section on love and loss, Grief and Renewal, Spirit and Sorrow, as part of the Unfathomable podcast, where we'll get into all kinds of subjects. Thank you for listening today. Thank you. The Pathless Path on Sorrow and Safety in Doves There was a connection that defied connection when you were in the physical. Even if I was running around and felt disconnected, I was and am always connected to you. Even as I could be your crazy daughter, I would call myself. You are my grounding cord, 
and I was and always and ever felt connected to you. I once told you there was nothing anymore here without you when you were gone. No one on earth after you left. And that the best people would then be on the other side, over there. I sigh deeply, still feeling that way now. There's nothing to do anymore here. No one or no reason to get up for anymore. But I do. I get out of bed, go to the patio porch, and sit for a moment. I hear the doves on the roof and see the shadows of them fly to the brick wall where they meet. There are always two of them. What happens when one dies? What does the other one do? How unnatural is that for them? For me, for them, for us? I return to your room and pick up the phone to call someone who I have not talked to in a long time. Someone who lost her husband a few years ago. She is welcoming of my call and chipper. Her daughter and son are visiting and she's redoing her kitchen. She has moved. Her life is full with new and fulfilling work. And she's enjoying her time alone and not having to be with anyone at all. She tells me how the roller coaster is and how everyone prays. Everyone turns to prayer no matter who you are. No matter who they are, she says. I let her talk and then quietly say, I have no experience of that. Prayer's not my thing anymore. How I lost all that when you took flight. How I found no other or renewed perspective of this way up or down as she has. She has known and experienced her own timeline and trajectory for the loss of her husband of 30 plus years and several other losses which she unknowingly, subtly imposes with language and words, as if she knows my loss, and educates me about how it is or will be. But when I quietly say, I have no experience of that, she does stop. She asks me how I am. I tell her if I start to talk about how things have really been, I'll be in tears. She says, let's not go there then. I'm fine with my tears, but I'm not fine with another's reticence of them, which in the long run brings more tears, inner tears that remain unshed, stuffed down, for our hearts become crushed when we can't be who we are in the moment. Tears get sucked in, our breath caught, the solar plexus, heart and throat further eviscerated, shredded, living dread. Not that feeling or tears are king God and all, but when we can't be true to what is in ourselves and safely reveal ourselves to one another, then we are split in two or into a thousand pieces or more. Silently betraying our inner clock, our inner navigation, information, and guidance system, which is often the only thing we have when everything else has fallen away, which may come uncomfortably enough to others in the form of tears. For when grief is not shared or witnessed or seen, it breaks the human heart 
more. Even Shakespeare knew to weep is to make less the depth of grief, and that we must give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak whispers the o'erfraught heart and bids it break. Expression and witness is what is needed. I will not say healed, however. That is a mystery still for me. But the possibility to even bring small temporary comfort and relief by being heard and recognized, revealed, accepted, and loved in our grief, however we express it. These are threads in the fabric of human need that bind us together. Sometimes I think the collective grievers of this world weep for the unshed tears of others who do not know how to be with grief. We weep for their losses that remain ungrieved, pushed aside, disenfranchised in this world. And what a world it is. And often the tears are not pure grief. They're mixed with love and some strange joy that I don't even understand, but some other people have said at times they sense in me when I cry so deeply. I think to myself, no, this is not the time or place to visit this woman at her home, perhaps. Few know how to sit with grief, to companion someone in grief. I'm not looking for that from her. I was looking to get away for a bit, change of environment, but I want to change it to a place where I feel safe and where there is one other person. I am very alone, and I've been pretty much alone 24-7 since you took flight over a year ago. It's hard to be so alone all the time with no support, no community, nothing, lonely and alone. There are a few places in the exterior world that feel safe, or ever did maybe, but especially now. But I have known this before, that safety is not found in a human container, in the body, or on the body of earth. Rather, for me, it is found in the spacelessness and timelessness of spacious moments, in and through the air when no one speaks and everyone listens, in the natural world, which hears without comment, in the we or vast of life, smaller or larger, wherever your perception may grow. But few know how to create safety, to companion another in their grief, to, quote, be present to another person's pain, not taking away the pain, to go into the wilderness of the soul with another human being, not thinking you're responsible for finding the way out, to bear witness to the struggles of others, not judging or directing those struggles, to respect disorder and confusion, not impose order and logic. 
to learn from others, not teach them. To be curious and not come branded with your expertise. End quote. These words are from the companioning philosophy of Dr. Wolfelt. A relief those words were for me when I found them years ago. Because they spoke to a truth I had lived by. But few live by them today, and fewer live by them alone. So much as the need to know and be sure and certain and have answers, a way to fix things, a path in this world. But there is a path called the pathless path. The pathless path. If you step onto it because it means no way, no system, no final conclusion, no path, and no guardrails to hold you to this or any earth. Most would not choose the pathless path because of its treacherous nature. The ground unsteady, rocky vistas crumbling in your line of sight. No, you are born onto the pathless path with no choice in the matter. Only I didn't know it until after you left the body and you told me it was so. Ironic, isn't it? That one can walk the pathless path and not even know it until you're older. Or you know it but struggle against it like I did, trying to please the world, trying to find and convince myself that there must be a way that everyone follows that I can't get to for whatever reasons and that I am therefore missing out, or less than, or God forbid, not enough. The struggles ensued as I tried to find this path. I couldn't find what was not my way. And I weep now for that, for the wasted time and energy of that terrible search. Such has been this life in diametric opposition to the world I live in, and the people who have feared for me because they want me to, quote, be happy to know and be sure and have a plan to pursue and track and follow. And meanwhile, the only thing I have come to know is that I do not know. That uncertainty can be a gift to a world that thinks it knows. But that's been blasphemous in my life for others to hear. And so I kept silent for decades about this knowing and with more wisdoms that came to me. And if you're not born onto the pathless path, then you can certainly be shoved onto it. Pushed off what was the path you thought you knew into a terrain with no maps and no way. Unwillingly tossed out of your life, or what you called your life, by life's cruel circumstances. Until you accept the pathlessness of the path you now find yourself on, training yourself to walk in a new or hobbled way, or until you fly above ground, knowing the no ground under your feet may be the beginning of freedom or the beginning of hell, if you remain as you have been. Funny that someone recently noted to me that being born of an earth sign must be hard on me. The me who no longer wants to be on earth. The me that has always known this is not my home. The me who walks this earth in heavy grief. It is hard. <sighs> I sigh deeply again with relief. For when I sigh, 
It means a truth for me has been written or spoken. This woman on the other end of the phone shares with me how she planned out her life and direction after her husband passed, how she chose where to go for the next part of her life. I hear the line of her long trajectory, like months and years ahead of her, that she has planned and successfully moved towards. She has children, and her finances are fine. She found a new job, moved, bought a home she's fixing up. She has a path, and I am glad for her. I am glad for her. She has things to hold her to earth, grounding cords, fulfillment, reasons to be. She has to make another telephone call, but before getting off the phone, I quietly say that I'm only able to plan for the next 10 minutes. That is the maximum of what I plan for, and it suffices on my pathless path. And in heavy grief, it serves me well. Minutes turned to hours, and she never returned the call as she said she would. But that's okay. I know she cannot understand. Even as she has had her grief to contend with, she deals in a different way. She has a system of support I do not have, but I have words, and I have the page. Another deep sigh concludes these words. The doves have landed in the yard again. I hear them calling me to look out the window to know they're together again. I research to learn about these flying winged beauties, morning doves, and have graced our yard for years, along with multitudes of quails that also mate for life. I read that as the doves sing their mournful song, which I have not ever found sad or mournful, that these flying winged beauties' message of life is to bring peace, hope, and renewal. For their vision and song and inspiration, I look out the window today. You have been listening to The Unfathomable Podcast with Elizabeth Wells. If you'd like to learn more about me or my work, please visit my website, www.elizabethwells.com. That's Elizabeth with a Z, and Wells is spelled W-E-L-L-E-S, elizabethwells.com. I invite you to sign up for my newsletter, or contact me through my website on the contact page. Thank you for listening today. Thank you.